0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than the lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help. Please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and a grant from the Henry Luce Foundation.
1: Our... Feeling wedded to the need to control outcomes, I think, is almost the opposite of what faith involves. To my way of thinking, faith involves a certain kind of surrender, a certain kind of letting go. The idea that the process is larger than we are, certainly larger than anything we can control. All we can do is is kind of our part, our contribution, whether it be a kind act, a virtuous act, right speech. It's to, um, I guess, invest what we think is the best of ourselves in a process that's much bigger than ourselves.
0: The story of a man who took a leap of faith to do the moral thing and who was hailed for his heroism. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Back in 1996, David Kaczynski, a sensitive and reflective social worker living in Albany, New York, faced an agonizing choice. At his wife's prompting, David had come to suspect something terrible. After analyzing the clues, he concluded it was probable that his estranged older brother Ted was the Unabomber, a domestic terrorist who had killed three people and injured 23 others. U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno, April 4, 1996.
1: On Wednesday, agents from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and the Postal Inspection Service began executing a search warrant at the residence of Theodore John Kaczynski near Lincoln, Montana.
0: Ted Kaczynski, an unkempt hermit and Harvard educated mathematician, was apprehended at his isolated one room cabin. Agents found a live bomb in his bed and materials for building others. As chronicled in David Kaczynski's recent memoir, Every Last Tie, he felt an obligation to turn Ted in to prevent the Unabomber from harming others. But David also knew that by tipping off the authorities, Ted would be subject to the death penalty, a punishment David opposed on principle, And he resented that federal officials had violated an agreement to keep his role as the informant confidential.
1: It was not in any sense helping me to be angry and to express anger toward the government. There was only one thing that could really help me, and that was to feel compassion for other people. Uh, The lives that my brother had taken, the people he had hurt, and their family members... And in truth, I, I believe that's really true, that the, when, when a person experiences a depth of, of grief or suffering at an emotional level, the the best thing that they can do is to feel compassion for others. Um, at least that was my experience. It gets you out of yourself. It gets you out of yourself. And you realize you have a place in a much, much larger world, and and in fact, we are all interconnected, and, um, you know, now no one's life is all that much more important than anyone else's, even though we love them more.
0: David Kaczynski came to his beliefs in part through a heartfelt commitment to the peaceable practice of Buddhism. When we met for this interview, he was completing a stint at a Tibetan monastery in Woodstock, New York, where he served as executive director. About to enter retirement, David Kaczynski looked back
1: on his at times painful odyssey. You know, here I am, I'm suddenly the brother of a notorious serial killer. I'm also the guy who turned in his brother. Who, who's going to understand this? This is going to feel somewhere between repulsive and exotic and strange. And, um, and yet, for the most part, people I worked with, people I was friends with, um, kind of rushed to our sides, you know? Um, Not in every case. I mean, I think there were some people that just felt a little bit afraid about it all. I mean, the media was going in talking to all of our friends and so forth. Um, But by and large, uh, it surprised me that there was more compassion and empathy out there in the world than I had anticipated. Um, we ended up getting, oh, several hundred letters from people, and there were a few that were maybe strange people with some mental issues that they were connecting this to this story, but by and large, um, all of the letters were were kind letters. Uh, Isn't that encouraging? Yes. That, that in
0: as extreme a circumstance as this, people's love can come out.
1: Right. I think of some of the other families who have, been involved in a, in the in the sense of in the in the news has, having a loved one as the perpetrator of very high profile crimes. Our family is in some ways fortunate because we were able to take steps. We we were able to um, do something active to stop the violence and in that way display. The, that our values were not reflected by what our loved one had done. Um, there are other families who, you know, you know, you'd never think it's going to happen in your family, whether you're on the victim's side or the, the offender's side. And, and uh, so I really feel for some of these families that are just caught up in this. We've, we've had some contact with, with some of the other families in other high-profile cases, and they're really, really hurting and have probably haven't gotten the kind of thank yous or um, compassion that our family has experienced because they never had the opportunity to um, to show where their values were so what do you make of this
0: weird paradox of you have this brother very troubled deranged and You have embraced an opposite approach, an opposite philosophy, advocating nonviolence, advocating unconditional love for people, advocating a contemplative practice like meditation.
1: You don't have any easier questions you could ask me. (laughs) Um, I have sometimes thought that Ted and I, um, I guess the differences are apparent. You've just referenced them, but in some ways we're were more alike than most brothers. I mean, we, we both took our ideas very seriously. We both lived in, um, sort of out in the uh, woods, and in, uh, Ted lived in the woods in Montana in the mountains. I lived in the desert in Texas uh, without running water, without electricity. We both had kind of experimented with, you know, sort of going off into a wilderness. Um, with really different results, I think um, it would have astonished me had I known that Ted was you know, using his time in the forest to make bombs while I'm watching the stars and, in Texas. Um, now, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind listeners that my brother has a very serious mental illness, um, schizophrenia, paranoid type. Um, I don't understand exactly how all of this happens. I don't think it's necessarily just genetic. I think there are other things that happened in my, te- uh, my brother's life that could have contributed. My mother often referenced uh, that he had a hospitalization when he was an infant at nine months of age, and that, that seemed to have traumatized him to some extent that for a period of time after that hospitalization, he stopped making eye contact or um, smiling. Um, She'd thought even long before we knew he was the Unabomber that he had been affected by that childhood abandonment as she thought he experienced it. So there was that piece of it. Um, My brother was also in uh, a subject of a... Um, research, psychological research project when he was a student at Harvard University that was clearly an unethical and abusive study. Um, The idea might even have been funded by the CIA, although there's no direct evidence of that. But in in this study, Ted was subjected to emotional stress. Um, He was demeaned and... um, So I think we have this reductionist tendency to think, what is the one cause? How does this bright young person end up killing people? Um, I think it's more likely a perfect storm of a variety of circumstances that um, took Ted down, and it's quite a tragedy.
0: discussing the remarkable life story of David Kaczynski, as recounted in his recent memoir, Every Last Tie. David made the difficult choice to inform federal authorities that he suspected his estranged older brother, Ted, was the infamous Unabomber. As we'll hear, David leads a deeply contemplative life. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. To learn more and to download audio or obtain copies of this segment, Doing the Right Thing, or of our previous documentary, The Unabomber's Brother, please visit humanmedia.org. In his memoir, David Kaczynski looks back on loving memories and painful outcomes.
1: Well, I had remarkable parents. They were working class um, people. hadn't graduated from high school until they went to night school as young adults. My mother got her college a- a degree at the age of 50, but they, they loved the life of the mind. They had a deep reverence for nature and for the human spirit, and they did their best to convey that to us kids. Um, they also gave us freedom to kind of find our own way in life. Um, I'm very grateful to them. Um, I'm also very grateful that, um, m- my wife, Linda Patrick is in, you know, I, m- I met her when I was 11 years old. Um, we were lab partners in chemistry in in high school, yeah, there was some chemistry going on at least from my <laughs> point of view and as this things' advanced and it was a little circuitous route, long courtship, but ultimately we became lifetime partners and she's uh, she had she she brought me to Buddhism um, she really had the insight and the bravery to um, really be the first person to identify the identity of the Unabomber and um, led me through the steps that were needed, really, to do the right thing.
0: Although Ted Kaczynski had become increasingly extreme in his loner lifestyle and his anti-technology philosophy espoused in a rambling manifesto, David had always looked up to his older brother and remembered Ted's caring side. So the decision to turn him into authorities ran against the grain of that affection. David was also concerned about their mother, Wanda, who he feared might be crushed. It turned out she had sympathy for David's struggle to do the right thing.
1: He credits his wife, Linda. Deeply compassionate person. Um, So I think, you know, often a focus is on an individual, what makes the individual what the individual is. Perhaps we should give more attention to relationships, because I think most people develop in the context of relationship. I think even if you're talking about ethical decisions, in this case it was really Linda and myself together who faced this dilemma. and. Um, did what we felt we had to do, and then lived with the consequences as best we could and tried to make the best of those consequences. But again, it's in the context of relationship. It's not you know, the lone ego that's uh, doing this or that. And I think that's part of Buddhist way of looking at the world, too. Our, our egos are sort of uh, fabrications in some sense. We are, we are our, our connections.
0: And quite a strong contrast to the hermit in a shack in Montana who was estranged from connection, from relationship.
1: That's a very good point, yeah. I mean, I think we'll see almost as a symptom of mental illness that many people with mental illness will sort of isolate themselves and push themselves, push even their loved ones away. And unfortunately, that's probably the worst thing that they can do because... uh, Living in isolation, we, we lose tools really to develop insight about ourselves. You know, we fall into some kind of, uh, um, I mean, the danger is that, that one loses one's grounding and one's identity becomes a sort of fabrication or fantasy. David Kaczynski derives
0: his grounding from a belief in Buddha nature, the philosophy that human beings are innately endowed with an essence that is characterized by compassion, by generosity of spirit. How much we tap into this essence becomes the fundamental course
1: of our lives. I think there are moments when we can clearly glimpse it in other people. Just watching a mother care for her child, uh, you know, we're seeing some manifestation of Buddha nature. It's not a distant, abstract concept. It's it's available if we have eyes to see it. Um, um, there are times in oneself when, you know, you can witness somebody um, doing something extremely kind or making a sacrifice for others' welfare or taking a risk for others' welfare and um, just that Welling of of positive emotion of love for other people, I think, would be regarded as a manifestation of Buddha nature in oneself as well. Um, I think, for most of us, um, you know, it's it's a fairly regular experience. You know, the Buddhists prioritize it and say these kind of moments of of, of compassion, of recognition of the the beauty, the the altruism in other people. It's a sign of something that's, that's, that's underlying, that, that's accessible, and more accessible the more we practice to try to cultivate it.
0: Seeking to avoid execution, Ted Kaczynski pleaded guilty in 1998 to federal charges of murder and of using and mailing bombs. He remains incarcerated in a supermax prison in Colorado without the possibility of parole. Occasional letters from his brother, who still cares, go unanswered. David Kaczynski has emerged as a fervent voice opposing the death penalty,
1: as a form of punishment that violates his spiritual beliefs, our parents were um, had been raised Catholic, but the, by the time um, they had children, they had sort of embraced Enlightenment rationalism, and uh, the only church they took us to was now and then to the Ethical Culture Society in um, in downtown Chicago, and it was interesting that that um, our parents invested. Um, morality or ethics in a sense of rationality I remember when I was a child my father trying to explain to me the meaning of, of enlightened self-interest and it was the the notion that if you mistreat others ultimately um, you know you'll create a world and that will be less friendly for you less comfortable for you you um, very interesting and almost a little bit if you really think about it like the Buddhist idea of karma that um, you know in some sense the way you behave toward others is going to come back to you in one one way or another what goes around comes around that's a good way to put it do you regard yourself
0: as a pacifist
1: hmm. that's a good question um, I remember when I was at um, in school the Vietnam War was on and many of my uh, classmates were uh, protesting and conscientious objectors. And while I wasn't comfortable with the war, I told myself that it would be a duty to serve. If I were drafted, I would go. I think now that I'm older, perhaps wiser, seeing more wars, more skepti- feel more skeptical about the, the kind of processes that lead us to war, um, I, I feel much, much more... Um, closer to that pacifist position. My father was fond of saying that he was a pacifist. If you look back at the history of humanity, it's a tremendously violent history. And so it seems to me that the issue of violence is a primary issue. This is one that we have to closely watch and look at in human beings. Uh, Particularly if we're talking about changing the circumstances in which we're living. If you use violence and power, the likelihood is that the, nothing will change, or things will just get worse. But with love and compassion, I believe, the world can begin to change. People can begin to change. It might take a bit longer. It might take a bit longer, um, and that's but that's in a sense where faith comes in. Um, I think the, the the basis of violence, the basic basis of of uh, aggression, is essentially a lack of faith. Um, In other people and in the possibility that the the structure of the universe, whether you call that God, whether you call it enlightenment, um, is, uh, I think the the basis for me of spirituality and religion is this faith, that the, the universe is structured in a way that supports the best in us.
0: Kaczynski's unlikely journey has allowed him to view the problem of violence from various sides. On the one hand, he acted courageously to prevent his deranged brother Ted from committing further violence. David was later hailed as a true American hero by Ted's prosecutor. And he is an anti-death penalty activist, viewing a thirst for vengeance as only fueling the vicious cycle of brutality.
1: I think if you look at most violence, um, at its core is fear, and at its core is a sense of powerlessness, that the only way I can make an impact is in that moment of aggression or that uh, ability to inflict pain or to coerce in one sense or another kind of kind of a desperation I, I think yeah it's it's fear it's weakness it's desperation and to me this is the psychological even the spiritual structure of violence it is essentially made of fear and um, I think you can never create strength out of fear you can only create strength out of confidence and faith and um, faith I suppose that pushes it beyond the immediately available evidence. Um, if, if you need to control, you're, you're not going to be able to control people with love, with compassion. You maybe control people with violence, with force. But if you're going beyond control, if you're really wanting to nurture someone, you're never going to be able to nurture, help enlighten someone with violence, in the way that you can with love and compassion, with providing a space for, for want of a better term, for their Buddha nature, that spark of God to develop and, you know, blossom or catch fire in them. Um, and I think it's a mistake we make again and again and again, and we keep getting the same results, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you take per- some somebody who's done harm and you say, well, you know, we're going to, kill you now and that's going to make things better and it it doesn't it it um, you know the the death penalty which was a was a, a great cause of mine for 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 quite a while and still is 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 made out of a fear um, what it takes to really change things for individuals or for a society is is a greater faith in the power of love I wonder what
0: you see as the spirituality of your advocacy against the death penalty. I'm struck by many people of religious, you know, principled lives who take a stance against the death penalty.
1: Yeah, it's it's been very interesting to me to be an advocate because I've seen numbers of people kind of in process. Um, people who maybe never thought about the issue very much or thought of it kind of simplistically well if someone's taken a life don't they deserve to have their life taken um begin to see more complexities and start to think well what about the family of the person do they really deserve you know this um to see their loved one executed um I've worked with members of law enforcement, and it's been very interesting to, to see the wheels begin to turn. I think there's, you know, earlier I talked a little bit about Buddha nature, and I think if you get past that sort of spirit of vengeance, most people feel some uneasiness about using our justice system to take someone's life.
0: An eye for an eye.
1: An eye for an eye. Um But with all the fallibilities of the justice system as well and the politics that swirl around it and the fallibilities of institutions that make mistakes and and innocent people ending up on death row. And and to me, as you kind of peel away those layers of belief and you begin to see, well, hey, it's not executing this murderer is not going to stop the next murderer. that it's not going to bring anyone back. It's not actually going to heal the victims. It's more likely probably to re-victimize them through years and years of appeals. It gives them anything but closure.
0: In some ways, the life of David Kaczynski and his wife, Linda Patrick, were engulfed by what David calls the Unabomber's shadow. They discovered, he writes, that the only way out of our small hell was through compassion for those whom Ted
1: had hurt and those whom he might yet hurt. When one behaves virtuously, when one does the right thing, when one does a kind thing, you can't foresee all the consequences of that. You can't foresee how that's going to play out in detail. You can't say, oh, this bad person is going to be so touched by my act of kindness or forgiveness that they will change. Um, so it's not about control. It's not about um, guaranteeing a particular version of the future. I think it is about planting seeds with the understanding that those seeds are going to blossom in time, some way, some shape or form. Um, I was very struck uh, long before I had any traumatic, difficult circumstances to face in my own life by the a Viktor Frankl book, A Man's Search for Meaning. Um, He was a psychiatrist who had survived a Nazi death camp and wrote about the nobility he saw in in some of the people in that death camp. Um, Acts of kindness, acts of generosity, acts of courage and bravery. And um, kind of drove home the point that um, these... We can only do these things with faith. We can only, if if our stake is not in a given result, if if our stake is um, purely a matter of faith, that the good leads to good. The virtuous is going to um, be the most helpful um, course in the long run. Um, I was very, very struck by that when I was a young person, and, it, and I felt maybe that little rush of Buddha nature. Wow! Even people under these circumstances could have a kind of uh, nobility. Um, and of course, you know, even on an everyday level, we see pettiness in people. We see little acts of selfishness and so forth. Um, but I think it's the the human possibility of transcendence that 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 for me, represents the, the inspiration for, to try to live a, um, the best life I know how and to be kind to people, even people who rub me the wrong way. David Kaczynski, Buddhist practitioner
0: and author of Every Last Tie, the story of the Unabomber and his family. Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Doug Sugars. Editorial assistance from Ken Rogers, Kathy Graham, Mark Kilstein, and Bond Collard. Webmaster, Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with Connie Goldman Productions. Program development provided by Shart Media.
1: You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org.
0: This segment, Doing the Right Thing with David Kaczynski, is Humankind Program Number 238.
1: The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio.